Get ready to lead with your heart, embrace rejection, and change your language. Welcome to the Milk Crate Mastermind Podcast. I am your host, Amy Lancy. I am the founder of the Milk Crate Mastermind, and I am so excited to be here with uh, with Margo. Margo, we, we are a team of two people today, and that's okay because you got the best of the best. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. We all are <laughs> the best of the best, but like, <laughs> We are the best of the best for today. Today we're the best of the best, right? (laughs) There we go. There we go. So, um, so before we, um, before I forget, I want to make sure I mention that today's theme is insufferable people in business. And when I mean insufferable, I mean people who are acting shady, inappropriate, or just in ways that just don't make sense. So we're going to talk more about, you know, our own personal experiences, as well as any recommendations you may have. Uh, And we're going to dive into who we are first, and then we're going to dive into the material. So, um, so again, my name is Amy Lancy. I, uh, I developed the Milk Crate Mastermind, I don't know, like almost two years ago, Margo, has it been two years? It's been a while. And um, yeah. (laughs) And so for me, what I, what I do as a communication consultant, I essentially find the communication gaps within a company and also, and also outside the company, because mm, chances are if the company is having a hard time describing what they do to their audience in terms of the marketing, they're having a hard time describing what they do to their teams on the inside. So I, that's what I, essentially help people with. Uh, And part of that is storytelling. And with the mastermind, you know, it's really just a safe space where we could talk about what's really on our minds and our hearts in business. So um, that's a little bit about me. Margo, can you please tell the people a little bit more about yourself? Well, I am Margo Aerosmith. Uh, My uh, business is Age Out Loud. I am coming out with a course shortly, which is Your Best Retirement Living. And what I do is guide people into how to figure out what it is they really want in retirement, and then talk about all of the different options for retirement living, including staying right where you are, and and how to decide which one of those are the best. And then, if you've decided, then how to find the best of the best, Uh, you know, the best stay or age in place scenario for you um and what you know if you decide you want to go into a community uh what do you ask the salespeople? because they're not going to tell you what to ask them mm-hmm. um basically for independence I, my my overall uh theme or it, it is to help people remain in the community contributing for a hundred years or more Beautiful. Yeah. And I think, Margo, with what you're doing, it's so important because I feel that, you know, at a certain point as we get older, and we'll talk more about this in a few weeks when we talk about your course on the podcast, but I feel like when when people get to a certain age, they tend to be forgotten and people tend to have different stigma and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, ideas about them that are just not true. So, um, so yeah, we can kind of... 
by the way, I do want to add with what with what, especially that last line about what age out loud is is I've I've been a, a student at the uh, milk crate for uh, since you started. And it's really helped me hone how I talk about what I do, which of course then helps me help people because if they don't know what I do, they're not gonna they're not gonna That's seek true. my help. That's true. Thank you. Uh, so now that the people know who we are, let's talk <laughs> about uh, let's talk about oh hold on a second. So let's talk uh, about insufferable people in business. You know, when I when I came up with this topic, it was because I was talking to another business colleague and we were exchanging stories about certain things we've seen people do in business that we're just wondering, how on earth is that still going on? Or, you know, how is, how is it that, you know, no one has told them that this is inappropriate? you know, just, or how do we, how do we handle this and how do we not get so frustrated when we see certain things happening? And so my first question to you, Margo, is when I, when I mentioned insufferable people in business, because I just talked about what I think about when I think about that term, what, what comes up for you when I say insufferable people in business? Oh gosh, there's such a, there's such a long list. There's the, there's people who take credit <laughs> without doing any work. There's yes. a lot of them. There are the, as we were talking about earlier, the micromanagers, which also includes people who assume that they know more than everybody else. And this, you don't have to be a supervisor to do that. Um, they're just sometimes just people who take out things from home on their worker, on their coworkers. I mean, the list is go, the list really can go on forever. Um, the important thing is, is that we learn how to handle it and also understand, like, for instance, with the last thing I mentioned, that sometimes when somebody's in a bad mood, um, if it's not their constant way of being, um, mm. is, is that we, we need to be able to assess whether this is a temporary thing that we can ignore or maybe uh, tease a little bit about, or is this a, is this a long-term problem? It right. Is, it's a long-term problem. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's different, right? It's, it, it depends on if you're going to see someone just for one time in a networking group that you're never going to go to again versus you're doing business with them. And then you want, you see certain practices they have mm -hmm. that are unacceptable and your world as well as probably everyone else's world so and I, I love that you said that you know when someone's taking credit when they really shouldn't be taking credit the first thing that came to mind for me when you said that are, are uh, certain coaches uh, in the industry that are taking the credit for certain for certain, their clients which some of it is warranted you know and I, I would I, and I would hope that a lot of it is warranted but from what I'm learning I'm learning is that when someone becomes super successful it's typically not because of one person it's because of it's because they have that one person but they also have their other advisors you know bouncing off ideas in addition to that one person that coach that they hired and then by the time they became they, they, they become successful it looks like the one coach 
was the one thing that solved solved the problem that you know got them to success but it, it in reality it really is a team of people that's a, such an excellent point. There's a difference between a coach saying, I have worked with these people and guided them and aided them. I mean, you, a coach is, I think, mainly responsible for guiding somebody to be able to pick out of all of these people around them what it is that's going to be the best. They're yes. not telling them, just like you said, Amy, they're not telling them everything. They're help, They're guiding them to pick it out. Yes. But there's a difference mm -hmm. between a coach saying, you know, I have guided these people as opposed to, you know, making it sound like, you know, these people would still be, uh, you know, working in the cafeteria, if not for me. Uh, and I know I exaggerated. I don't think any of them are quite that bad. But yeah, a coach taking too much credit um, when yeah. they they're important, but they're really, you know, the coach of a, you know, you could be the best coach in the world of a basketball team. And if you, you know, if all your players, um, you know, can't shoot a basket and are, you know, four foot 10, um, you know, you're, you've got to have players. You've got to have players. I mean, and a coach has to have players. Um, yes. Yep. Yep, exactly. And actually that reminds me of another story where uh, I had worked with this woman uh, for a little bit of hypnotherapy. And I also saw her for um, some spiritual guidance. And I remember like since, since that, uh, that time when I was seeing her, some other things unfolded. And when I told her about it months later, I remember she said, oh, that was because of me that all happened because of your sessions with me. And I kept thinking, that's not true. Like me, like what you helped me with was, you know, see certain things that led me on, a, on different other pathways that opened up other things and I, that led to other things. So anyways, I have been a psychotherapist for like 40 years now. And we used to say, you know, you're only successful if the, patient or client whatever you call them has absolutely no idea that you had any part of this uh, now I, I i don't feel that drastically about that now and it is nice to have somebody say gee you helped me however i have a picture above my desk and it's it's two women sitting in chairs looking at each other one is the therapist and one is the client and above the client's head there is a you know a little circle and there's all, there's this ball of this mixed up yarn it's just you know blah, blah, blah. Mm. and over above the therapist's head you see her picking like little strands out of that mass and making a nice yellow ball and then a nice red ball because and i will tell people you know i do not you know they want to know answers from me i do not have the answers what i do is i listen to you I listen to you tell me the answers and then I repeat them back to you. And that's also real. I mean, yeah, no, a coach also needs to know, you know, you need to call this person and that person. I got that. But basically, as far as getting the job done, a coach needs to listen and yeah. then got, and then tell that person what they've been saying. And that's really what good management does also in a business, I think. Um, yes. So, and an insufferable manager then is somebody who can't do that, who's, who just thinks, uh, you know, I have to be telling people what to do all the time. And as we were talking earlier, micromanage, uh, which is very different from pulling from the people or helping them, helping them straighten out their little yarn balls so that they're no longer just a big old mess. I love that. And just so the audience knows that, you know, right before this podcast, 
recording session, we had the regular milk crate meeting and we were, the theme was micromanagement. So we talked all about micromanagement from different perspectives and even brainstormed ideas in terms of how to deal with micromanagement, which we're going to have a different episode about that. But just that, you know, we, we keep referring to micromanagement because we, we just talked about it right before this. And, um, and you're right, Margo, when it comes to insufferable people in business, it doesn't have to be people who are ancillary to what you're working on. These are people who are within your business or, or sometimes, you know, if you're working full time at your job and you're still trying to get your business off the ground, you still have to deal with the sometimes insufferable people in your organization at your job, which are sometimes the managers who have a lot of say over what you can and cannot do at your job. And it and it's um it's debilitating and it's demeaning when they're micromanaging you, uh, when they are acting in a way that programs you to doubt your own value, to doubt your own opinions even. And it's um, it's insufferable on, on two different levels. It's insufferable because that's unacceptable on a human level. But then the other, the other way is that it's insufferable because it's normalized in a lot of different work cultures, which that is the other part of uh, insufferability. Um, it's not... It's not, um, what's the word I'm trying to use? Um, it's not helpful and it's not healthy. There we go. So it's, I think that you, you brought a really great point, Margo, well, uh, how, in, how insufferable people can be in, in a business. Uh, yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's like they, it's like they're making a lot of noise, so it feels like they're bringing in a lot of energy, but really what they're doing is draining the energy. Ah, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. And what has to happen, frankly, you know, and not just man managers should be able to do this, but it's very hard. And sometimes they even the best managers can't do it without the help of those around them is you know kind of like i've done a lot of group therapy and you know there will there will be insufferable people in group therapy that kind of you know again take all the room and you know suck everything out of the room and without god you know beating them over the head and telling them to shut up you know the, the therapist or manager and the group members because it's very important that the group members because one of the reasons for group therapy is is that the group members mm -hmm. learn these things themselves, but really have to learn how to put boundaries around that insufferable person, the person that's sucking up all the oxygen or taking, you know, whatever you want to call it, taking up all the room. Uh, but in a way, because if you do it in a way where you're just, um, you know, telling them you're terrible and to stop doing it, um, which yeah. is what everybody wants to do, frankly, then you're not only aren't you aren't you helping the you aren't you helping that person but you're also not helping the group very much either because ultimately right. that just creates to more negativity right that's right that's right you know if if it's one thing if you outed you know you exited from the situation is another thing that you know the same 
micromanager or the same person that's doing micromanagement or is acting inseparably because you can act inseparably without micromanaging, um, they will continue to wreak havoc um, because of power dynamics, because no one's no one has the courage to speak up. You know, it, it's um it's a difficult situation. And so so I, I just want to preface that we are only responsible for ourselves, right? So that that I'm not so I'm not asking anyone to take responsibility on themselves for other people, but it is something where, you know, um, if you if you feel passionate about treating people well, the the best thing that you can do is, you know, see how the people are around you that are going through similar treatment. Um, because there is power in numbers. And it's also just that when you're in that situation, your sense of reality is skewed because you're doubting yourself. And chances are, if you've doubted yourself, everyone else has doubted themselves uh, as, a, as a consequence of being in this environment. And, and when that happens, then that is the time to just kind of, I wouldn't say, I don't know, rally. Uh, I would say at least, you know, gather people around you to, you know, um, figure out what is something that you all can do to help your situation as opposed to like just kind of just outing. So, you, I mean, like I said, we are only responsible for ourselves, along, but I do think- along, I'm sorry, Amy, but along with that, fine. we have to be very careful that it's not ganging up on or just sometimes we can feel like if we've just vented to other people and just bitched and complained, excuse my language, uh, then we've done something. And we really yeah. have, because then what we're doing is contributing to the problem. Right. Uh, we're commiserating. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, it, you know, in a, in a family group or in a, a smaller group that's called triangulating, I have a problem with Mary. So instead of talking to Mary, I go talk to Lucy about the problem I'm having with Mary, which number one right. certainly doesn't do any good between me and Mary. And it, and it brings Lucy into it, into a way that makes her uncomfortable. So, right. so, but, and so, but you did say, yes, sometimes people kind of have to have a, you know, understanding, but be very careful when you talk to right. others about it, that again, that it doesn't just become a complaining session and that, and that you're, and that, because sometimes people can say, oh, good, we complained about it. That's all we need to do. Yeah. Um, but that you actually at some point figure out how to bring the person into it without it being an attack. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Because then again, even if the person deserves to be attacked, frankly, it doesn't do any good. It really doesn't do no. any good. Um, and, and mm -hmm. so, um, just be and I'm, I'm you're right you need to do that just be real careful real careful about how you're doing it right right because you know even if the person deserves to be attacked you know even if the person deserves some very harsh words based on their behavior you know the whole point of communication is for people to receive it and if you're saying it in a way that people are just not going to receive it then there's you know, it's, uh, it's really hard to get your point across. And I don't want to, I'm not, I'm never going to say there was no point in speaking up because I do think that speaking up in general helps with your courage. If it doesn't go anywhere with the other person, uh, you know, that's one thing, but, you know, speaking up does, does bring up a sense of bravery that you need. But the thing is like, if you, ha if you had an expectation that your point was going to come across a certain way and it was going to accomplish this thing, it was going to get you more respect. It was going to, uh, you know, 
resolve the conflict. It was going to make the place the place that you work at or the the your business better. Then a a lot more has to be taken into consideration than just I'm commiserating with this other person and now we're done. Uh, now we're <laughs> you know we're just gonna keep going like this. Um, you know, Margo, you're right. Like yeah, something. There is a certain way to vent to people that is solution based. I think that's really what I'm getting from you. There, yes, exactly. Thank you. That that's what I meant to say. Uh, make sure it's solution based and not just yes. uh, not just a uh, complaining session because again, that's not going to help anybody. No, mm -mm. no, that's not going to help and, anybody. And what makes it worse is we think we're helping ourselves, but we're really not. We're, so that so now we're really setting ourselves backwards. That's what it is, right, Margo? We don't want to set ourselves backwards in all of this. Um, the whole point of understanding when someone's acting inappropriately and, and sometimes disrespectfully is because you have a sense of your own ethics. And um, sorry, I lost my point for a second. What was I saying? Uh, just that basically, oh yeah, we have a sense of our own sense of, eth of our own ethics and if we're not, if we're so distracted by someone else not following our code of ethics, which, you know, everyone has their own code of ethics, um, then we end up going backwards because then by not standing up for what we believe in and what we know is right, we're actually, yeah, we are going backwards because we're allowing someone to trample over our integrity to ourselves. You mentioned ethics too. I remember, God, this was probably close to 40 years ago now, but I worked at a, a halfway, well, it was actually a day center for uh, people who basically schizophrenics and people like that, people, a lot mm -hmm. of them had been hospitalized, but they were now living in the community and we had this day program, which enabled them to be in the community and independent and all that. It was a great program. However, mm -hmm. there was this one guy, whenever he did an intake and I, I you know, I wanted to reach across the table and just strangle him but of course but what he would do was as he's tell as he's reading about the intake so we all get to know this person he's saying well she claimed to have graduated from high school she claims to be 40 years old i'm like using that word claim said you know to me ethically set everybody up to sort of doubt anything this person said you know instead of just saying she graduated from high school she says she's she says she great i mean there, there was such a big difference and, and and i and i regret i mean to this day that was 40 years ago and i regret not doing anything about that because mm -hmm. i didn't i mean you know i was new and i didn't know how other people felt and i was a coward but it still bothers me because so so sometimes if you don't take action even though i mean i've been to, i've had many opportunities and jobs and and private practices and all sorts of things since then that event still haunts me because i didn't say anything because he was there mm. to the clients and to me it was unethical and i didn't say anything so you know <laughs> so even if you think oh well it'll go away or i'm not going to be here forever it's like sometimes some of those it's still i mean it's i don't lose sleep over it i'm not i'm not crazy but it bothers me whenever i think about it i'm yeah. like damn why didn't i say something because he wasn't right. what he was saying wasn't right. It 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 set a tone that was that was anti-client and it was not a good thing. And why didn't I say something? It still bothers me. Mm. Yeah, I think we all have those moments, right? We all think back and be like, why didn't I say something? 
you know, I definitely have had those moments. Uh, and then I had to remember that I was a different person back then. And that you were just kind of talking about that. Right. I mean, like, we were just different now. people. I could have said, well, is there some reason why to not believe that she graduated from high school right. and was 40 years old? And, and then, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure whoever this person, I can picture the face. I'm sure this person learned that in school. But I mean, I could have sort of gently challenged that as a way yeah. to to present a case. And I could have done it in a way that would not have said, you stupid jerk, who do you think you are? I mean, I could have done <laughs> it in a proper way. But instead yeah. of doing that, I just sat there and, and got annoyed. And 40 years later, I'm like, damn, why didn't I say something? Right, 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 right. I, well, I mean, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? And, um, and so I think that now we're kind of going into the the solutions that the, the solutions round of our podcast. And so we already mentioned, you know, don't just commiserate with people, you know, um, make sure that whatever you talk about with other people before you, you leave or you talk to whoever is insufferable, um, that it's a productive conversation, it's solution-based. Uh, you also said that you also said another solution just now. I don't know if you caught it, but just that when when you're dealing with people who are acting inappropriately, you can ask, you can gently challenge them with questions. Yeah, like right. You know, yeah, is there something about her that makes you feel she's not telling you the truth? You know, uh, um, yeah. and then you know my opinion about because it sounds like that word that word claims always sounds like you know, that always sets us up to doubt. I mean, I could have said it that way. I didn't have to hit him, hit him over the head, but I think probably I was so angry at the time that all I could think of was saying it like you stupid jerk, but instead of calming myself down and not, and also taking myself out of being a, the superior of the two of us, mm-hmm. because I think that was part of the problem too, because it was hard for me to think of a nice way to say it, um, yeah. without, um, uh, you know, w- w- and, but still say it at least. And then if everybody yeah. disagreed with me, at least I would have done it. Right, right, exactly. And so, and, and that's gently challenging someone with questions is way different than, you know, outright saying obscenities to them. You know, it's way different because when you're gently challenging them with questions, it makes them think, it, 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 I mean, yes, they would still be in defense mode, but it has a disarming effect, right? It has a disarming effect to a certain, yeah, to, a certain extent it, because- You it want to disarm them, them, not to have them be so defensive that they become more uh, And the other thing here is, is it's also, you said that you want them to think about it differently. One of the challenges of doing it is, is that you also have to think differently. You have to get out of the, oh, that's a terrible thing. And he's a terrible person mode into, you have to then actually stop and think, gee, what would be a way that I could say this that will not, uh, that will not make me an insufferable person for that matter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a little bit of work, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I think it takes a certain amount of awareness and diplomacy almost but then also a certain amount of courage and brave bravery too oh yeah so oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. no that makes sense that really makes sense and so uh margo 
uh, I'm going to start wrapping us up because this is a such an interesting conversation. It went in a direction I didn't think it was going to go. Um, but uh, what is what is one takeaway that you have from this conversation? Well, uh, one takeaway is that, I, and I'm actually instead of being harder on myself, I'm going to be easier on myself. Is is that I by talking about it not just in my own head, which is where it always was 40 years ago, by talking about it with you and, and, and in front of the audience, I actually thought of a way that I could have done it. And again, oh. I'm not calling myself any, but, but how the importance of consulting about it. Uh, I mean, I wasn't, when I said it, I wasn't trying to get you to agree with me that this guy was a jerk, although I thought he was, but I wasn't trying to get you to agree to that. I just was talking about a difficult situation for me talking about it to you and that helped me come up with a way that I could have done it if I had had if I'd had the milk crate 40 years ago I would have been able to say something to you. <laughs> there you go I, if I could go back in time <laughs> go back in time and take the milk crate with me yes go back in time take the milk crate with me and then we'll like make, we'll, we'll make it happen for um for you back then so <laughs> I love that. Um, my my biggest takeaway from today is what you said, Margo, with gently challenging people. Um, I think that so many times when I think about conflict and I think about speaking up to people, knowing that they're probably not going to agree with me, I think that sometimes, sometimes I can be caught up in a black and white kind of thinking of either I don't speak or I do speak up. And when I do speak up, it's going to be a storm. But what I can hear now from you, it's not so much about, you don't have to bring up a storm to challenge somebody. You could just ask them a question just enough to just con continue the conversation and to, you know, get them to see your point of view by just by the way you're asking the question, but then also for us to get a little wiser too with understanding where are they coming from, even if it's, you know, even if you're angry or frustrated, you know, it's something where, you know, I think it's it's enough to address the frustrations without feeling pent up, but then also controlling yourself enough to, Right. Well, along to get with, the conversation moving forward. Along with what you're saying, and I know we're supposed to end here, but I, I often have people in my office talk about they can't do this or that because they always hated confrontation. And I mm -hmm. say, well, how about you stop using that word confrontation? Because as soon as you've described it as a confrontation, even, whether it's to your spouse or a child or a boss or a coworker, as soon as you've used that word confrontation, you have put on your armor and you've made it more difficult than it, than, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna be easy mm -hmm. to not use that word, but you've mm -hmm. made it more difficult than it has to be. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that, yep. Yeah. yeah, once you speak into existence, it becomes that. Yes. And it doesn't have to be. So, mm -hmm. nope, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. So uh, I'm gonna start uh, wrapping us up, but uh, before we go, Margo, how can people reach you? Uh, the best way to reach me is to go to face right now is to go to Facebook and look for the page age out loud. Uh, you can also see if you go to YouTube, you can also see my series about dementia being over 
overdiagnosed um, is one of my playlists under Age Out Loud on Facebook. I mean, I'm sorry, on YouTube. And pretty soon you will be able to get my my course, um, Your Best Retirement Living. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Margo, for being here with me. And uh, and I'm Amy Lancy. You can go to my website, uh, untoldstoryenterprises.com. Or you can email me at amy at amyalancy.com if you have a question about anything I talked about with my business. Or most of, uh, I think even more importantly for this episode, you know, any questions you had in regards to anything Margot and yeah. I said, because we talked a lot, we talked a lot, and there are many more ways and pathways and points we could have brought up, but we didn't because we just didn't have the time. So if you have more questions or more comments, please email me at amy at amylancy.com. And of course, if you want to be on the show, you have to be part of the MoCrate Mastermind. So if you want to know more about what that includes, go to milkcratemastermind.com. All right. And until next time, y'all have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>